You're listening to The Road to Philanthropy with Gary Cohn, a podcast series on giving and working with nonprofits. This podcast is produced by Painted Rock Advisors, a consulting hub providing services to the philanthropic and nonprofit communities. We bring together your values and wealth with opportunities to do good work and make the world a better place. What can we do to help you? Contact us at paintedrockadvisors at gmail.com. Hi, this is Gary Cohn. Welcome to The Road to Philanthropy, a podcast series on everything in the nonprofit and philanthropic world. Today we have a special guest, Adam Pilder. Adam is the Senior Philanthropy Officer at Providence Tarzana Foundation, which supports the Providence Tarzana Cedars Hospital. Adam joined Providence in 2019. Previously, he spent over 10 years in the development and fundraising field with other institutions, including Ability First, National Jewish Health out of Denver, and the YMCA. Adam has an MBA and a poli-sci degree from Eastern Michigan University, and I have no idea what the mascot of Eastern Michigan is, but Adam will fill us in on that maybe. Uh, He has a certification from the Association of Fundraising Professionals and is currently the president of the SF Valley chapter and a board member at Hillel 818. Adam lives in Simi Valley with his wife and two children and their dog, Cooper. Welcome, Adam. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for having me. Well, it's good to have you here. So tell me, uh, we'll start out with Eastern Michigan University. Do they have a football team? No, we do, we do have a football team. We have Eastern Eagles. They used to be the Hurons, but you know that was considered politically incorrect. So now they're, they've are they been the Eagles the past 30 years, I think. Oh, wow. Well, I'll have to look more into that university. I know it existed, but I didn't know much about it. So you grew up in the uh, Detroit and uh, Michigan area? I did. I grew up uh, outside uh, Detroit, north suburb, West Bloomfield. Uh, lived there most of my life and then went to Eastern Michigan. I call it the small school down from the big school, U of M. And uh, after I finished my getting my undergrad and my master's degree in public administration, I ended up, you know, looking for a new career work. But, you know, during that time in 2006, you know, uh, Michigan was really in a downturn because of the auto industry. So, you know, I worked at the local Jewish community center there and started fundraising and hadn't really done it before, except when I was a kid for Sadaka, and, you know, which is, of course, giving money to charity. So kind of got into it and kind of took off from there. And what brought you out to the West Coast? So in 2006, I worked at the JC about a year and the Jewish Federation contacted me, a recruiter from the Federation. And she brought me to the Jewish Federation of Greater Phoenix, where I worked there as a young leadership director and a campaign associate. So I lived in uh, North Scottsdale for about two years and then got kind of promoted and transferred to the L.A. Federation. Ah, I didn't realize you were you had worked for the Federation. Interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. a lot of so many fundraisers start in Jewish Federation work. It's amazing. So give us a little background on your career path and what brought you to, to Providence. Sure. So my career path was where, you know, I got transferred to the Jewish Federation of Greater Los Angeles. I worked out of the Valley office, uh, which is, I believe, no longer there anymore, which is uh, it's sad to not have that Valley presence anymore. But I started out as a senior campaign associate there in 2008. I came here right when the financial crisis hit. So it was a little scary. You know, I was here, moved here in August, September, uh, or I'm sorry, August 2008. So worked here and uh, at the Federation in West Hills. And, you know, I was there about three years. 
but I felt like there was time, it was time to kind of grow a little bit more. And uh, I, I was able to reach out and interview with the YMCA. I worked with the YMCA for a couple of years as their director of development in the North Valley. Then I went on to a couple other jobs that I was hoping would take my career to the next level. It was, I worked for a local nonprofit after that. And uh, unfortunately they were financially having a lot of problems. So, you know, I, a lot of staff was cut, including me. And then I went to work at National Jewish Health based out of Denver, which they have an LA office here in Sherman Oaks. You know, after about a year, I, you know, I, I love the staff there, but it was just really time consuming with a young family. I mean, my daughter's now eight, my son is two, and it was a lot of travel. So I felt like I had to really cut down on that travel and, uh, and ended up interviewing with a local nonprofit called Ability First. Ability First is a nonprofit that serves children and adults with disabilities. Uh, one of my favorite positions I've ever held, actually, it was a great nonprofit. And, you know, it's based out of Pasadena. So I worked there about four years and, uh, you know, I loved it. But I knew it was time to really kind of go back to where I was, you know, more of a regional level than a local level. So uh, a position opened up with at Providence Tarzana Foundation, and I interviewed there. I actually, the, the person that recommended me was Renee Bianco, who was a mentor of mine. She hired me at the YMCA. So ended up interviewing and, you know, I received the job in September of 2019 as a uh, major gifts officer. Uh, was promoted last year to a senior major gifts officer and now I'm here at the Providence Tarzana Foundation. And how, how big a staff do you have at Providence in the fundraising area? So based out of Tarzana, we have, including myself, three major gift officers. And so it's a, about a staff of five here at Tarzana. Now, uh, how it works is we're considered one of a few foundations. St. Joe's in Burbank is also part of that. Uh, St. John's in Santa Monica, Holy Cross in Mission Hills. And we, we're all kind of connected to Providence of Southern California. Got it. And tell me a little bit about the difference between working for, say, an organization like Ability First uh, versus a, a medical uh, hospital. How does that differ? It's very different. Um, healthcare fundraising is, is just a totally different animal, I call it, because, you know, you're raising, you know, Ability First is an incredible organization, but you're not raising to a degree that a hospital will raise. I mean, it's it's really apples to oranges. I mean, you know, a, a major gift at a, at a hospital can be a minimum major gift could be fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollar gift, while at Ability First it was a major gift was five thousand. So you know, it's just really a huge difference in terms of uh, fundraising capacity. Now, do you raise money for primarily hospital services or departments or equipment, or is it medical research? What, what's the combination there? So we, it's kind of evolved. So when I started here, we were raising money for our capital campaign, which is called, is called the Tarzana Reimagined Project. And that is a um, $75 million campaign that we've been raising money for here. And we're almost at our goal. We're at about 70 three and a half million. We received a generous $50 million gift this year for the new tower that's being built off the 101. And uh, we're looking to fundraise now for new ventures, uh, redoing our cardiology department, for instance, and uh, new medical equipment in the new tower. So we have a lot of exciting things happening here in terms of really 
branching out our fundraising uh, goals and, and kind of new areas that we really need to help raise money for. You are listening to The Road to Philanthropy. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. So in the last 12, I guess, more like 18 months now, we've been faced with the COVID crisis. Uh, how has that impacted your work uh, at the hospital? So it's been very interesting because, um, you know, uh, you know, COVID has really caused a lot of people, you know, to really take a step back in terms of giving and really just kind of, you know, they were worried, scared, you know, and for us, you know, you know, I think healthcare was on the forefront, you know, of everyone's mind. We did see a huge surge in COVID patients in January. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, care, you know, they really wanted to know about how the caregivers were doing, how they could help the caregivers. So we had actually a lot of donations over the past year to the Tarzana Medical Center because, and it, this isn't just us, it's to hospitals in general, because healthcare is really on the forefront right now. And I think it will be for years to come because of the COVID situation. Do you interact with the doctors on staff or is it just you and, and potential donors? Uh, we do interact with the doctors on staff. We're actually building better relationships with our physicians uh, so that we can work in tandem because, you know, the physicians look at it this way that, you know, the foundation supports, you know, their needs, you know, in terms of new medical equipment and new technology that's needed. And, you know, they'll help us because, you know, they want to refer patients and say, hey, you can support uh, our work through the foundation. So it's really a reciprocal um, relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're just really building on that momentum at Tarzana. What, what are your top priorities uh, for the next couple of years? Not necessarily for Tarzana, but for yourself as far as uh, size donor or, or the time you spend, what you're looking to accomplish. So over the next couple of years, I really want to really keep building what we're doing here at the foundation. Uh, I work for Matt Rennert, who is our chief philanthropy officer. He's an incredible leader here at the foundation. And we're, we've built so much great momentum that I just want to keep uh, piggybacking off that. We received our first $50 million gift. We know that once you get that breakthrough gift, we call it, those additional gifts will come in tandem as well. So we're working on quite a few multi-million dollar proposals right now. So it's, you know, we just need to keep building off that momentum. And that's what I, that's my goal right now. In the next three to five years, that will bring in an additional 20 to $40 million, you know, and just keep building off what we've been doing. That's great. It's great work you do there. You've worked on both sides of the philanthropic table. You've been uh, a volunteer, you know, as a board member of Hallel 818 and maybe others I'm not aware of. And then you're a, ph a philanthropy officer. Um, uh, what's most rewarding for you about your career? Most rewarding for me is the fact uh, I feel like I always like helping people. I, I love helping people. So that's been really rewarding for me. It's just been a, to, being able to be out there and really help those that need it. You know, it's just, you know, especially in healthcare. Because a lot of people, you know, they, I mean, we all need healthcare. We all need to, you know, you know, receive treatment for our, you know, situations, our illnesses, and to help those in need, it just makes me feel so, so good that I'm helping people. So I'm very passionate about fundraising. I wouldn't recommend anyone who's thinking about fundraising and is not passionate about it because you have to be passionate about it. Otherwise, you won't be successful. 
you have to really have a, a connection to the nonprofit. So on our uh, on our show, we have had uh, nonprofit executives, we've had donors, uh, we had uh, Lisa Greer who wrote the book Philanthropy Revolution, which I know you know her, uh, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, when you look at all of this, uh, where do you want to be in, you know, five years as far as on the philanthropic, uh, you know, roadmap? You know, it, it kind of ties into our question earlier. So I, for, for me, I want to, you know, keep building what we're doing here at Tarzana. You know, I'd like to be here long term, you know, 15, 20 years if I can, because, you know, I think we're just we've got this momentum going that we, we just really need to keep building this this thing here. I mean, Tar the Tarzana Foundation has only been a nonprofit or been here since 2008, actually. And, you know, Providence Cedar Sinai, Tarzana Medical Center before 2008 was a for-profit. So we just really need to instill that culture of philanthropy here at Tarzana and the foundation. And we are, we're doing it, we're getting there. So I just want us to keep building what we've been doing. And, you know, I'm excited and hopefully in turn, you know, we'll grow our staff more and, you know, really, you know, be large, you know, by and large. So very good. You, you, you uh, obviously are very involved in AFP and you're president of the SF Valley chapter. Tell us a little bit about uh, the organization, what it does and uh, what benefits uh, fundraisers get by joining. Well, Gary, I, I love being a part of AFP. I've been a part of it since I think uh, January 2011. It's been a long time, almost, I guess it's been a little over 10 years now. And, you know, it's helped me to be the leader I am today, you know, uh, you know, as a member and then being on the board and then just kind of rising up through the, the secretary, treasurer, president-elect and now president role. And, you know, our, our chapter is small but mighty, I call it. It's more of an intimate chapter of about 50 members. I mean, when I first joined, I think we were at 25 maybe. So we've really steadily increased over the years. Last year uh, during COVID, it was a struggle because you know a lot of you know organizations weren't funding memberships for AFP. Uh, but you know, a lot of people, new members came on. So, you know, for anyone out there interested in fundraising or you know, learning more about new trends in fundraising. I would highly recommend joining the Association of Fundraising Professionals. It's the group has done so much for me and my knowledge in fundraising. And, you know, also, best of all, you get to know other fundraisers and see what they're doing and hear what they're doing. So well, I know AF, AFP has a, a monthly luncheon that you guys run and have speakers come. Uh, do you also offer workshops and classes? So we, we do offer a conference typically once a year. Um, next year, I mean, we've put it on hold for right now because of COVID, but we would like to do that again. We do a CFRE study group event. So we're in the process of doing that in the fall, which will be virtual. Anyone that's interested in getting their uh, CFRE certified fundraising executive designation, I'd be more than happy to tell them about it. Very good. Let me turn to a, a different area now and, and talk about the challenges that face fundraisers today not just at Providence, but in general, uh, is fundraising becoming more interesting after COVID or more challenging? What do you think? You know, it's, that's a really tough answer because, so, you know, I think every year fundraising gets harder. I mean, since I've been doing it since 2006, I definitely have seen, you have to be more strategic and really thinking outside the box on how to fundraise. I mean, for me, you know, I've been very 
lucky and fortunate because, you know, healthcare has done very well, you know, under, you know, this pandemic. Uh, I'm, I'm not, that's not necessarily a good thing because, you know, unfortunately COVID is a very scary thing for all of us. But, you know, I, I think we've been very, you know, successful here. I think it's all about just learning new techniques and, and new ways to get people involved. I feel like the number one key in fundraising is educating people about the nonprofit itself, letting them know what you do and what the cause is, you know, get them invested. I know in my fundraising career, you know, a lot of it is, is based on the strong relationships you build with donors and, and the commitment you make between each other, uh, which eventually brings a gift uh, to the organization. Uh, how do you see that in, in your role in the healthcare? Is it as much relationship building or is it more product driven as far as raising money for a, uh, uh, equipment or, a, or building or whatever? You know, Gary, I think it's both. I, I really do believe it's both. So relationship building in any nonprofit nowadays is key. That's the number one key to, I feel, soliciting a gift. Uh, you know, you have to build that relationship. You know, I've seen so many fundraisers that are very transactional, and I just don't think that's a key to being successful. You have to really build that relationship. And for us, you know, it's it's also about the, the product. I mean, it's the fact uh, you can support this medical equipment or a, um, a CAT scan machine, what, whatever, what have you. And, you know, that will in, in turn help so many patients that need that equipment. You know, I mean, for, for instance, we fundraise for a Da Vinci machine. A Da Vinci machine is a robotic surg surgical machine, basically. And those are very expensive. I think they're around half a million dollars. And we have two of them now. And those are so precise in terms of their surgical procedures that, I mean, that's the new era of, of surgery now. So we, we do a lot of fundraising for that. So that just kind of gives you a little bit of highlights of what we're doing to fundraise here. Well, what excites you about the work you do every day? Uh, what gets you out of bed and, and raring to go in the morning? For me, what gets me excited is just to be able to help those in need and really get to meet new people every day. You know, I've been able to meet a lot of new different people all the time. I, I For me, I can't do the same you know, process every day. Every day has to be different for me. And I feel in fundraising, every day is different. You know, one day I might be in the office catching up on reports. Another day I'll be out there meeting with people, you know, for breakfast, lunch and dinner. And, you know, and just getting them more, getting them excited about the hospital and what we're doing here. That's what motivates me every day. So over your career, you've had many relationships with board members and with uh, clients and professionals. Tell us about one of your favorite experiences with a donor. Oh, I will. That, 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 you know, that's a perfect question for me. So, you know, it was actually here at Tarzana. So about a year, year and a half ago, I was uh, talking with a donor. Her name's Susan. And, you know, she, they had given, they'd given a good gift about 500,000 before, but, uh, and, you know, before they wanted to give more, but there was a lot of changes happening and, you know, she kind of, you know, wasn't as involved, you know, with the people here. And then, I started reaching out to her and kind of texting her and calling her and, you know, and now to this day, she thinks I'm a pain in the ass, but she thought it was, it was great because one day she said, you know what, sure, I'll meet you. I'll meet with you. You know, let's talk. So I went over to her house and we talked for about three hours. We had so much in common, um, you know, growing up in the Jewish community, just, you know, you know, learning about giving tzedakah, 
And, you know, she made another $500,000 gift. And, you know, and after that, as our relationship developed, she joined our board of governors last year. And she's been one of the most amazing board members I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, she's just an amazing person and she cares so much about this medical center. Mm-hmm. So that to me was probably my favorite relationship relationship I've ever had in nonprofit work. And we've, we've all in our fundraising experiences had problems or challenges where a donor or a prospect is, you think's coming through with a big gift and doesn't. Uh, can you tell us about one of your bad experiences? Sure. Yeah, there's quite a few. I'll have to think back on that. I've had experience like last year, uh, it was a good experience or bad experience, I should say. So uh, I was working with uh, someone uh, who owns a big company in, in the Valley. I'll keep his name confidential, but, you know, he was referred to me through his doctor and, you know, you know, we did a whole site tour of the new tower inside the new tower that's going up on the 101 and, you know, trying to get him invested and stuff. And, you know, one of the things he says to me is, you know, or I'd never be caught dead at Providence, you know, you you, you wouldn't catch me there in a heartbeat. And I said, all right, all right. Well, we've changed a lot. And I, you know, I spent the next few weeks trying to convince them like, you know, Hey, we, you know, we've entered this partnership with Cedars uh, two years ago. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're bringing on Cedars doctors and Providence doctors. I mean, this is your hospital because he lives in, you know, Hidden Hills. So I'm like, this is your hospital that they'll be bringing you to. And in the end, he just, you know, we tried to get a million dollars from him and he wouldn't do it. He just, he decided to give it straight to the Cedar sinai Medical Center, which is great. I mean, Cedars sinai is amazing. I mean, we're part Cedars, but, you know, you know, I kind of did say to him in the end, you know, just remember, you know, when the ambulance comes, they're going to bring you to Tarzana. So, you know, but, you know, I, you know, we still stay in touch. He's still a very nice man. And, but unfortunately, you know, we won't get that gift. <laughs> we've all had those i've also had the ones where you work really really hard and you don't get a gift at all so at least you got a gift uh, in uh, out of him for for a major commitment and it was it was a, for a good cause you know from that exactly so when you're not working what do you like to do uh not work <laughs> i'm just kidding you know i like to spend time with my family you know i like to you know you know on the weekends we'll go out maybe we'll you know have dinner together you know i i feel like that's relaxation for me I'll watch um, Super Cooper Super Cooper Sunday with my daughter I, I, <laughs> on TV, and you know I'll sit with her and Matthew, my son, and we'll just you know we'll just watch TV on a Sunday afternoon. And you know I like to do activities like my my daughter does play soccer, and you know you know and we just kind of like to do everything as a family. You know that's what I love. And you came from the Detroit area, the Michigan area. Are you a big Tigers fan, or are you not uh, much into sports? I'm a big Detroit fan through and through. I always will be, uh, you know, unfortunately none of the teams are very good right now. I wish they were, but, um, you know, I, I'm keep, I keep pulling for them. If I go to a Dodger game, I'm going to wear my Detroit Tigers hat. Hopefully I won't get beaten up, but you know, got to represent Detroit. <laughs> what, what are the biggest differences between, uh, life in, in Detroit and life in California? It's very different. I mean, Detroit has a very small town feel. I mean, you know, everyone kind of says hello to you and, you know, people know you. I mean, it's a very, it's just a very small town feel. Uh, In LA, it was a culture shock when I moved here. You know, uh, you know, people aren't very friendly here. It's just uh, different. 
very different. Uh, people don't typically say hello to you. They don't want to. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, you know, I got kind of used to it after a while. And then I met my wife out here. I met her at a Jewish Federation singles event. So, you know, we met, you know, I went on a few dates and, you know, and then the rest was history. So, you know, she's a Valley girl, grew up here in, in Northridge and, um, you know, we love where we live now. We just recently moved to Simi Valley, actually, and uh, we're able to get a kind of a bigger house for our family. So, and one of the biggest challenges in California is housing expenses uh, in general, and among other expenses. And uh, a lot of people talk about the changing environment that people are moving out, people are moving in. But I think overall, uh, California does give people a, a, a wide breadth of things to do. I mean, you're within, you know, 30 minutes of the beach and 30 minutes of the mountains. And, uh, and there are great hiking trails and things like that. So there's a lot of things to do in California, you know, from that. Is the business environment different in, as far as uh, uh, raising money or just interacting in business between the two states? It's, it's all very much the same. You know, it's, it's important to just, and, and also Arizona, I did fundraising as well. So it's all very similar. I mean, well, I, I shouldn't say that. Let me go back. It's a little different. So in Arizona, there were a lot of transplants, for instance, you know, compared to California, where there's a lot of natives. Uh, in Arizona, you know, it was a lot more challenging because you had to find those people that were transplants. You know, here in California, you have a lot of families that are, you know, multi-generational families here that, you know, been here many, you know, decades. So they've already kind of been philanthropic. So, you know, that's where I think it's very different. In Michigan, it's, I think Michigan's similar to LA. A lot of families have been there for many, many decades. Very good. What do you think about the future of fundraising? <laughs> well, Gary, I, I think the fun, future of fundraising is always going to be there. I think it's a matter of adjusting to the trends and the times. One of the things I've noticed in my, I guess it's 16 years now in fundraising is it's always constantly changing the trends and strategies on how to raise money. You know, I think people will always give no matter what, but it's a matter of finding those people and being creative. You can't always do the same thing over and over again because it's just not going to work. You know, the environment just constantly is changing. Well, thank you very much for being on our show. You have a lot of insights, especially on the medical and hospital side of things, which I haven't really known much about, so that's very good. And uh, we look forward to working with you in the future uh, on different projects. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for listening. We want to stay connected with you. Be sure to stay connected with our community by giving a like to our Facebook page and following our Instagram at PaintedRock underscore advisors. Our podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms. We'll see you at our next release. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>